This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, former Chinese Communist Party leader Jiang Zemin has died at age 96. Jiang is credited with single-handedly starting the persecution of Falun Gong in China. Protests against the Chinese Communist regime and its COVID-19 policies continue. We have coverage from yesterday's demonstrations across North America. Ron DeSantis has a warning for Apple in the ongoing Twitter saga. He advises the tech giant against an abuse of power and also calls out the Chinese Communist Party. Hackers are exploiting a popular TikTok challenge to get personal financial information. A new scam uses malware to defraud users. We have the details. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's Wednesday today, the last day of November, November 30th. And right away, we have some breaking news for you. Former Chinese Communist Party leader Jiang Zemin is dead. Chinese state media says he passed away Wednesday afternoon in Shanghai. He was 96. Jiang Zemin was the communist regime's top leader from 1993 to 2003. He was elected by Deng Xiaoping after the Tiananmen Square massacre. He died from leukemia and multiple organ failure. Jiang is considered re responsible for single-handedly launching one of the most brutal persecutions against a faith group in modern times. That's for his lead role in starting the persecution against Falun Gong in 1999. In the 23 years since, human rights organizations have reported that tens of millions of Falun Gong practitioners in China have been subject to mass surveillance, arbitrary imprisonment, forced labor, torture and organ harvesting. The persecution is ongoing. And at the same time, demonstrators against the Chinese Communist Party and its lockdown measures continue. While the regime in China tries to stamp them out, many in North America are feeling the need to publicly show support. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on protests taking place in Canada and the U.S. After three years of lockdowns in China, people have had enough. Locals and expats in Toronto, Canada protested Tuesday against the communist regime and its extreme COVID-19 policies. One protester suggested it could be the beginning of something bigger. We do not only oppose to zero COVID policy, you know, also we oppose to the, you know, the non-democracy regime. We want to change the regime to democracy. Protests spread across China after Yurimchi residents died in a high-rise apartment fire in Xinjiang province. Firefighters were unable to put the flames out because of COVID-19 blockades and locks around the compound. This demonstrator says he was moved by the bravery of protesters in mainland China. He pointed out the risks and horrible circumstances they face for coming out. They've been captured, they've been tortured, they've been beaten, and they've been treated treated inhuman so it is not it should not be tolerated the chinese communist party or ccp is already trying to crush the protests in china chinese state media reported that officials have been told to resolutely crack down on illegal and criminal acts that disrupt social order 
Security is being stepped up at possible protest sites. Police are randomly searching some people's phones for forbidden apps. Protest slogans and symbols are being censored on social media. And suspected protesters are even being visited at their homes by officials and warned against taking part in any illegal activities. In the United States, demonstrations of solidarity are popping up across the nation. Students at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts gathered on Tuesday to speak out. Many held up blank pieces of paper, which have become a symbolic expression for those in mainland China. Student gatherings also took place in Chicago, New York City and Philadelphia Tuesday. In Chicago, a group stood across the street from the Chinese consulate. This Chicago area protester is afraid to show her face, even though she is outside China. She is a sophomore, but would not give her name or which school she attends. She fears repercussions for speaking out. She says it's her duty to show support. I think it's just incredibly brave for like every single Chinese like in, inside of China to be doing the protests. I think we should, like as Chinese citizens outside of China, we should follow up to them. And that although she wants to remain positive and take this chance to support those in China, she's pessimistic about how the protests will turn out. People go on the street like millions and then the CCP just didn't listen. But at least I think we should do whatever we can do, like before the protests get cracked down, before our mouths get shut. We at least have to do something to show them like that Chinese people have the, they have like the courage to protest. A candlelight vigil was held outside the Chinese consulate in New York Tuesday night. I feel I have to come to here to, because the Chinese people need the freedom. You know, I'm here to, say that enough is enough um, to speak up for my people um, as well as the Chinese citizens that can't speak up back home. Many in the crowd chanted slogans such as we don't want dictatorships, we want elections and step down Xi Jinping. Others held signs condemning the CCP and its zero COVID policies. In Philadelphia, a similar scene played out. Uh, all my friends in China, in Shanghai, in Beijing, in all those Chinese cities, in the universities, they are facing mountain doors to speak out, to speak what they want, to show what they are. I think I feel more admired um, for them. The mood was somber as people paid their respects to those that died during the lockdowns and in the protests. There were moments of silence and singing. At other times during the night, they chanted slogans and shared laughter. Shows of solidarity are also taking place in other places around the world, like Tokyo, London, and Paris. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has warned Apple against removing Twitter from its app store. He said it would be a raw exercise of monopolistic power and said such a move could merit a response from Congress. He also called out the tech giant for aiding the CCP. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. I'm glad things are changing at Twitter. Speaking at a press conference, DeSantis addressed reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is opening it up for free speech. He said many accounts being restored were suspended because people were providing accurate information about COVID that conflicted with so-called experts. And Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula. And DeSantis lambasted Apple for restricting use of its airdrop feature for users in China. 
there's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. Apple says they made the changes to AirDrop to stop unwanted file sharing and that they plan to roll out the changes globally. Protests against the CCP COVID-19 lockdowns have spread throughout the country. Don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. DeSantis also spoke out on China's zero-COVID policy and said that draconian COVID policies need to go to the ash heap of history where they belong. This CCP has a maniacal desire to exert total control over its population. Zero-COVID is really just the pretext for them to do what they want to do anyways. Musk spoke to the feud with Apple in a tweet yesterday, writing, quote, This is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. Apple did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And the Department of Defense has released its annual report on the power of China's military. The report says the Chinese Communist Party could have more than 1,500 nuclear warheads by 2035. NTD's Jason Perry has the story. The new Department of Defense report breaks down the Chinese Communist Party's military and security strategy. The report names the CCP as the biggest threat to the U.S. and to the free and open international system. One area in particular is the Taiwan Strait, which is the body of water between Taiwan and mainland China. Earlier on Tuesday, the CCP said it organized its naval and air forces to drive away a U.S.-guided missile cruiser, claiming that the U.S. ship had no right to be there. Pentagon spokesperson General Pat Ryder said the claims were false and that the CCP is trying to establish a new normal. Whereas uh, U.S. and international ships and planes have operated in international airspace uh, or in international waterways for decades and then suddenly changing and saying, no, this belongs to us and now you're violating uh, our sovereignty. Again, it's trying to change the narrative, change the status quo and in fact fabricate a situation that previously all would agree did not exist. And so again, this is why it's important that we will continue to sail, operate and fly in those areas. The report says China currently has 400 nuclear warheads and the communist country will likely have 1500 nukes by 2035. America currently has about 3,700 nuclear warheads, with about 1,700 currently deployed outside of the United States, according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute think tank. The U.S. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, says the CCP wants to be the number one power in the world by 2049. He explained that there are lots of lessons learned from the war in Ukraine. And one of the things people are learning is that war on paper is a whole lot different than real war. And when blood is spilled and people die and real tanks are being blown up, things are a little bit different. There's a lot of friction and fog and death in combat. And, and for someone who has, for a military that hasn't fought in combat since uh, fighting the Vietnamese in 1979, they would be playing, uh, you know, a very, very dangerous game to cross the straits and invade the island of Taiwan. The Pentagon's report can be found at defense.gov. Jason Perry, NTD News.
French President Emmanuel Macron arrived in the U.S. for an official state visit yesterday. It is Macron's first visit to the White House since President Biden took office. The visit also marks a key moment in U.S.-France relations, which soured last year over the sale of nuclear submarines to Australia, costing France a multi-billion dollar contract. Since then, and fueled by the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, the two leaders rekindled their relationship, and France has become one of the United States' most valuable allies. Senior U.S. officials indicated the state visit is intended to highlight the premium Biden has placed on the U.S. core alliances. Coming up, Facebook parent company Meta has been fined almost $280 million. The company is said to have breached strict EU privacy laws. And hackers are exploiting a popular TikTok challenge to get personal financial information. We have that and more for you after the short break. Welcome back. Hackers have found a way to take advantage of a TikTok challenge and users' curiosity. A new scam uses malware disguised as a program to make the invisible visible. And today, Sean Marshall has the details. Hackers are taking advantage of TikTok's trending invisible body challenge to spread malware that can steal passwords and credit card details. The challenge encourages users to film themselves naked and then use TikTok's invisible body filter to replace their body with a blurry background. Some hackers are taking advantage of this TikTok challenge in the following way. They create videos in which they claim to offer a special unfilter to remove the blurry background and expose the naked bodies of TikTokers, something that could also possibly be used to blackmail people. However, this software filter is a scam and actually installs Wasp Stealer malware on your computer. This malware has the ability to steal Discord account credentials, passwords, credit card information, crypto wallets, and even personal files. And just if you look under the hashtag under uh, invisible filter, there's, there's over 27 million views and that just keeps growing. Cybersecurity expert Scott Schober. What they're doing is cyber criminals are preying upon people's fear, people's innocence and curiosity and hoping that they download this particular thing to remove a filter to see if it's actually true or not. We've heard similar ideas before, but Senator Marco Rubio and Congressman Mike Gallagher announced new legislation that would ban TikTok. They state that the app poses a major threat to national security and that users are effectively handing over their personal information to the Chinese Communist Party. So when you download TikTok, you kind of carte blanche give away and say, hey, I give you permission to have access to everything on my phone. What, who I'm calling, who's in my contacts, what did I type in my browser, what credentials did I put in, what are in my notes. All of those things you allow them to go on there and take off. So even if it's not TikTok, it's a third party app developer or a partner with TikTok that oftentimes can have access to those things. And if all that wasn't bad enough, has anyone stopped to think about the odd possibility of Chinese servers storing images of underage users' bodies for future reference? Sean Marshall, NTD News. Two leading figures in the crypto sector have died unexpectedly this past week. This comes after the death of 29-year-old crypto giant Nikolai Meshegian in Puerto Rico in late October, and the deaths are sending shockwaves in the financial sector. 
30-year-old Tian Cullender was the co-founder of Hong Kong-based crypto company Amber Group. His company confirmed on Sunday that he died unexpectedly in his sleep on November 23rd. Amber Group is valued at $3 billion, and Cullender made it to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. And he wasn't the only one. 53-year-old Russian billionaire Vyacheslav Taran was co-founder of crypto platform Libertex. His company confirmed that he was killed in a helicopter crash near Monaco on November 25th. The billionaire was flying from Switzerland with an experienced pilot. According to local media, the helicopter collided with a hillside. Local authorities are investigating his death. Where are we currently in our economy? As we wait on the November jobs report and the Federal Reserve's reaction to it, we invited a special guest from Burge Gold Group to talk about his take on things and how you can protect yourself. Joining me now is Philip Patrick. He is a precious metal specialist at Birch Gold Group, which is also our sponsor. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Evelyn. Well, so you were also working as a wealth manager at Citibank a while ago. So first, I want to know what you think about where we are in the economy for context, because people look at the big tech layoffs, for instance, and many are wondering what it is signaling in terms of economy. What do you think? I think what they're doing is they're bracing for upcoming recession. Holiday demand now has fallen significantly, not just for tech and retail companies, uh, but many companies are discussing now tightening their belts. In fact, Bezos came out recently and told people to hold off on major purchases. And, and to quote him directly, he said, look, if you're an individual thinking about buying a large screen TV, maybe slow that down. Keep the cash, see what happens. Uh, and I think he's absolutely right. We've got tough times ahead and it's you know time to tighten the belts a little bit. We're seeing a clear pattern. Prices on discretionary spending categories, clothing, jewelry, electronics, mostly lower, while prices on essentials, food, fuel, housing are higher. These are things people will buy regardless of price. In economics, we call it inelastic demand. So what we've seen with prices coming down is more a sign of recession, people's changing their spending behaviors, more so than getting a handle on inflation. So I think the Fed has a lot of work to do heading into next year, and that means much higher interest rates. Mm, that's an interesting take on that. And so with that, keeping that in mind, how should we protect our savings and, you know, what should we do to weather a recession? Look, it's, it's, it's a tough climate that we're in. Look at the markets right now. There's a lot of risk out there. Price to earning ratios in the equity market still show today a bubble. I think we've got a lot of air to come out of that market. Bonds today losing to inflation, most bonds, right? We've still got low interest rates with high levels of inflation. So bonds are losing buying power. That's where I think precious metals come in. In climates like this, they're very conducive. Inflation drives them up. Market corrections drive them up. So I think everybody needs to be thinking about heading, uh, sorry, hedging their exposure, heading into next year. And I think precious metals are one of the only and certainly the most effective ways to do it in today's climate. Because gold prices have been declining since March and then there is the opportunity cost that people are talking about when it comes to non-yielding assets. So please go into a little bit more detail as of why now is the time to invest. I mean, you're right. We saw a decline in, in, in gold prices for a large well, for about five months of this year since March. We've seen recently that 
backtracking. Gold prices have been shooting up over the last couple of weeks. What this spells to me is an opportunity. So the reason we saw gold prices decline is because of gold's relationship with the dollar. Gold and the dollar have an inverse relationship. So when the dollar goes down, of course, gold goes up by that same token when go when the dollar strengthens gold goes down so we've seen a short-term strengthening in the dollar that's a very consistent pattern after 2008 when the markets came down the dollar strengthened temporarily and then it dropped same thing happened in 2000 now the reason for that strengthening you know twofold number one we're seeing currency markets across the globe getting hit and the dollars being strengthened by proxy the other side of things is big downturns in the market right what that leads to short term a lot of people move to treasuries or dollars to hedge that strengthens the currency it's typically very short-lived in in 2008 gold dropped initially 30 percent with the markets then it went on to more than double in value so for me very similar opportunity to that i think heading into next year it's going to be a tough ride for the markets a good opportunity for gold and as they always say you buy the dips and I think we have the opportunity to do that today. I see. Thank you so much, Philip Patrick with Birch Gold Group. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up, the FIFA Soccer World Cup ramps up security as political rivals, U.S. and Iran, faced off in the round of 32. That's when we come back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Hogan. The U.S. defeated Iran in their showdown at the FIFA Soccer World Cup on Tuesday. The win pushes the U.S. into the knockout round of 16. Entity's Flinders Kingsley tells us more about the match. The U.S. bested the Iran side 1-0, but as protests rage in Iran and amid decades of political tension, the World Cup showdown between the U.S. and Iran was more than just a clash of sporting rivals. President Joe Biden made his comments on the match. USA, USA, that's a big game, man. When I spoke to the coach and the players, I said, you can do this. They went, ah, oh, they're going to, they did it. God love them. Anyway, just thought you might want to hear. The U.S. Soccer Federation earlier showed solidarity with Iranian protesters by displaying Iran's national flag without the Islamic Republic emblem, causing Tehran to make a formal complaint. I'm very happy to see that the players are starting to speak out as much as they can. Um, it's not easy to make a decision because we don't really know too much about what's going on. But my heart is with the people. I really want to see them succeed in, in what they want. And I hope that, uh, you know, this game and the World Cup has brought more attention to that. The game was held with increased security to prevent possible violence. Tensions between the nations have been heightened since the death in custody of 22-year-old Masa Armani on September 16th. Even with the tense political backdrop, fans say it's just about the game. I'm a football fan. I never take it it's into any political matter. It's, not about like, it's all yeah. about the football. I can hug an American guy right just now. It's not about that at all. We are just a football fan. That's all we're here for. You, you know what? Um, big physical team. I like the pace of the game. They come out. They came out fast. Uh, a lot of credit to Iran. You know, they, they, they look like they wanted it just as much. Uh, you know, just, just respect to that opponent all around. 
England also crushed Wales' hopes of entering the round of 16, defeating them 3-0 and making room for the US to qualify for the knockout round. The US finished in second place in Group B. The knockout round of 16 begins on December 3rd. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Yeah. Well, I guess now it's off to the knockout stages. Oh, yeah. I think they're playing Netherlands next in, mm, on Saturday fun. or something. Yeah, but I'm not quite sure. Well, let's see how that plays out. Uh, this is where we are ending the program. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.